Welcome to the Remote Work Drive podcast with your host, Jessica Malnick. Stay tuned to learn how to manage remote teams that are effective, collaborative, and happy. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Remote Work Tribe podcast. This episode is going to be a little bit different because this is with a repeat guest, Josh. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about a topic that is super popular, particularly in the remote workspace, which is OKRs, and actually a different angle of that, which is what happens when you implement OKRs and then we suddenly realize it's no longer a good fit for your company. So before we kind of dive in, um, Josh, do you want to give a quick intro or a reminder of maybe newer listeners of who you are and what you're building with Referral Rock? Sure. Uh, I'm Josh, the founder CEO of Referral Rock. So we build referral marketing software to help essentially businesses get more referrals uh, instead of just waiting for word of mouth. So referral programs, affiliate programs, all that type of thing. Awesome. And can you maybe talk a little bit about how you first heard about OKRs and what led you to initially start using them at Referral Rock? Yeah, so I've kind of known about them for a long time. Like I think you either hear them either, I think Google probably made them more, more famous in the tech world and it was one of those pattern matching things everyone likes to do out of out of tech. And uh, for for me personally, it started when I brought on our tech lead. This was in 2018. And just for clarity, we're all remote, have been remote since the start, from the beginning, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, all throughout. We kind of operated in the same remote sort of async way. But interestingly enough, when he came on, so it was building out more of the tech team. And, you know, which which also great at bringing on more senior members is they come you know with playbooks and tricks and all kinds of other things. So um, he brought up the idea of of doing OKRs because at that time we also brought on another like leader to take over another team, which was the customer success team. So we had two more senior members, seasoned people that have done these things before, and they're like, oh yeah, I've done this before, and I hadn't before. So it was like, okay, sure, I'll give that a try. And so we started it on a on a quarterly cadence setting up OKRs for teams. We didn't. We never got to individuals. I don't think it was something anyone was really interested in, but we did them on a, on a team basis and at a at a quarterly routine and clip. Awesome. And what was the process like to kind of get everyone bought in when you first started using OKRs back in 2018? So it was mostly coming from the leadership side. So anyone that was running a team, we started with that initial team and I think we were reading a few articles, listened to a couple like podcasts or videos just describing OKRs and understanding, you know, how to set proper OKRs. And we are uh, big users of of Confluence. So in our, this is where we tracked them. So we have like some team Confluence pages marked out by quarter for the OKRs. And then we have like a, you know, a top level item that just, just as a high level reminding, like, you know, what are, what are some tips, you know, uh, in just in setting, setting good OKRs. So it kind of, that set us up as a guiding light and having those conversations, you know, with the senior team to make sure everyone was on the same page. And then with that, we started kind of working on them together. So it was mostly the senior team working on them. Um, eventually they started rolling in other teammates and other, in other rituals with retros and things like that to get feedback. But ultimately, the the I think the senior leaders did a large majority of the work. Um, and then I also had some oversight over all of it, kind of giving a stamp of approval at the end once before we kind of set the quarter into practice. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of companies, particularly startups, kind of struggle with getting a good cadence of OKRs. And it's not uncommon for it to take two, three, four or more quarters to kind of get up to speed and get in a feel like you're in a rhythm. Was that the case for you guys at referral work or did it kind of just click right away? Um, I think mostly because the senior members had a had like the people that a lot of the people ones that were doing it before had had been in those motions before it didn't take as long i think it was um and also because we didn't go to the individual level it didn't mean you had to basically convince everyone and have everyone on the same level of understanding so keeping it at that level for our teams at that at that size and having the senior members that have done it before i think gave us a, a leg up and uh we still made mistakes right you still had like some where after you ran a quarter and you're kind of like yeah that was kind of a loose one maybe maybe we'll tighten that up so it got it got more refined over time because oftentimes you were looking at last quarter to help instruct the future quarter or like what gaps do we have, what stuff did we like, what stuff didn't we like. So it did get refined over time, but I think we probably got to it a little faster uh, than most. Yeah. Um, so fast forward to last year, you've been running OKRs now for like three plus years within the company. It seems to be going well and suddenly you just stopped doing them. Can you maybe talk through some of the specific circumstances that led you to realize that maybe OKRs were no longer going to be a good fit at referral work? Yeah, so it, it probably started sometime last year where, well, actually I would say almost yeah, a year and a half ago. So at the end of 2022, I was going through the typical motion, which is starts with me, which is like, Actually, sorry, I think this was end of 2021. So there's like one year removed and then I'll tell you kind of what happened this past year. So the typical motion for me was like a lot of stress, right? Like you have, especially at the end of the year, you have end of year, end of quarter, end of month. <laughs> and you've got all these numbers and all these things to kind of rationalize together. Um, and then then communicating a lot of that information down and then working within the team. So the first thing we did, first adjustment we made when it started to kind of feel a little uh, like a lot of stress and a lot of work packed into a small time period is we added a breather period. So that was actually really helpful in 2022. So instead of being like quarter starts on, you know, January 1st, uh, OKRs from the, you know, the previous quarter are due and done and the new one starts there. It's like trying to line everything down to one day and point in time was super stressful. End of it, start of new one, all of those types of things. So what we did do at that point is we added a breathing period. We added, so it really extended, we still judged the whole quarter throughout from like the first to a 31st on the, on the third month. Um, but what we did instead is the new OKRs for the following quarter didn't start until the 15th. So you had a two week time break between when one ended and when you're creating the new ones. And that that really helped that stress a lot because it wasn't just like trying to slam everything into one day. And it gave you a two-week breather period. You were still sort of on the clock and kind of almost hedging your bets a little, but how much is really getting done in two weeks? It probably didn't matter, but it did relieve a lot of stress. So that's that's the first thing we did, like that helped a lot. And it just was very impactful to, I think our own psyche and our own way of like not feeling like we were you know, up against the line for that. But then furthering on, so that we did that for a year and that was fine. And, but then again, it came around similar time, end of end of year, end of quarter, end of month. In last fall, I started doing these, uh, we started just being uh, more specific on KPIs instead. 
So specific business metrics that were going through our whole funnel, whether it's from, you know, through the marketing team with like MQLs all the way down to, you know, through the product team, through sales, all the way down to retention and churn and all of those types of things. So we started getting much better at identifying those. So we started creating these other uh, one month little cadences of just like, what are the numbers communicating those out to the team? And with that, I also started adding like some color commentary to it. So at the end of every quarter, I think I started doing it maybe in this, this past summer was I wrote up like a CEO notes type of thing. Like here's a summary of the quarter and it's highlighting the big things different teams did, talking about how the numbers got influenced. So it was much more of a narrative along with the KPIs, right? And that just had a lot more gravitational pull toward the end of last year. And then when it got time to do OKRs, it was like, huh, this just feels like theater related to the other things. It felt like we were going through these motions. I looked at them and a lot of them were very repetitive of past quarters, right? The ones people were submitting were like, do this many blog articles, optimize this many, this the, you know, these many SEO pieces, you know, create three projects, document five items, you know, those types of things that were still very like checkbox oriented, but at the same time, didn't really allude to what I would consider like better outcomes. And it just felt like everyone was doing them anyway. And even when we tried to stretch them, conditions would happen in, in the quarter that would always have the human element of like, oh yeah, that makes sense. We didn't get to that. And no one's stressing over it. So for us, there was never like a, you know, we didn't tie bonuses. We didn't tie like slaps on the wrist for not meeting OKRs. And there was also no big fanfare for, you know, them being accomplished. So it just, it started to dawn on us how, how much it was just not really an area of focus for us anymore. And once we did the KPI stuff and those quarterly updates that I was writing up, that felt more aligned in the pace we were going and people could see numbers move and that type of thing. So that's, that's sort of what stopped the, uh, <laughs> stopped the OKR train for us. Yeah. I have a lot of follow-up questions to what you just shared. Sure. Um, but before I do that, for someone who maybe is less familiar about OKRs and KPIs, can you give like a quick difference on like what is the difference between the two? Uh, so for us, I'll just give my definition because if it's wrong, it's fine. <laughs> but uh, for us, the OKRs were more of like, you know, you, you'd have um, objectives and key results. So you would set out a statement about trying to improve something. So, uh, and it's usually you are setting up numbers that line up to it. So let's, I'll give the, the marketing and blog post one. So it's like, okay, you know, drive more business leads uh, for referral rock might be, let's say like uh, objective and a key result might be like, you know, optimize five articles to make sure the one, the articles that are remaining that drive the most leads stay in the top three of the SERPs or the search rankings. So that could be, you know, uh, like a objective and a key result. And you could have a couple other key results under that, like underlying up to that objective, but that's sort of the basic premise. And, and I think the idea is that you are setting them, they're a little bit more project oriented, or they're a little bit more like newer initiatives, that type of thing. Sometimes they loop into maintenance initiatives, but again, that's where the objectives are. So there could also be objectives around maintaining internal knowledge. So it's like writing three knowledge-based articles or that type of stuff. So that's how I see them. And that's how mostly how we did them across the different teams. But that's actually where some of the challenges were. Um, but different teams had ones that never really changed much. So it was harder for them. Like, especially when you have um, like a service-oriented type of team 
like ones that aren't doing support or ones that are doing sales. You don't want to just be like, okay, hit these numbers. Like every time that sort of, again, becomes, it, it just, it just feels like it's not necessarily helpful on moving the needle. But for KPIs, uh, we see these as kind of more longer standing. They, they're, they're more specific on X conversion rate uh, from MQL to uh, a deal sold or something like that. How many actual leads are being driven? Oftentimes they could get intermixed. Like you might have leads as a number you're counting in OKRs as pine to be like driving business growth. But the KPIs oftentimes are just longer standing. And then they also have both, um, I would say, like they're both leading indicators and potentially lagging indicators that could help you spot problems. Like, oh, all of a sudden we had a, you know, we had a 35% conversion rate of people buying our product and that's dropped down to 25%. Okay, maybe there's something there. Let's put our thumb on it. What's going on there? So that's something like a lagging indicator or or depending on where you're talking about the end results could be a leading indicator. Um, But those are often more helpful to give a a pulse and a pace on what's going on and also what, what future kind of metrics. And most KPIs I feel for SaaS businesses are probably relatively the same. Um, someone's going to have more specific ones about maybe their onboarding product KPIs, but for the most part, like marketing and sales ones are probably similar. Support ones are probably similar, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so you made the switch in 2022 from OKRs to KPIs. Did you have any sort of pushback at all from departments or even individuals to that maybe were worried that they was switching and how that might impact their own performance or their team's performance? Uh, no, there wasn't any. It was sort of a one of the, I think one of the initiatives we had like to do the KPIs came out of OKR. So it was something I think one of our, I look back at, it was probably, you know, Q1 or Q2 of 2022. You know, I had some leadership OKRs and some of them were like, define our 10 KPIs. <laughs> so everyone kind of saw it coming. And then, so it was almost that it, the OKRs almost provided a segue for the KPIs to where when it became more obvious to me that maybe we didn't necessarily need to do OKRs anymore, I wrote up a message and sent it out to the senior team and essentially said, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm feeling. Do you guys you know, agree with this? And essentially everyone was on board. So it was something like, you know, no one was mentioning, but um, probably mostly due to just like, I felt like all the work was coming through me anyway. And people were just like, well, if this is what Josh wants, this is what we're doing. But I was the first to raise my hand. It's like, hey, does this, does this make sense? And everyone's like, eh. We could deal without it. Like, I think we get, if you go back to the root things of what you're trying to accomplish is, you know, can you show impact? Can you have focus for people? Do they know what they're driving towards? And kind of the KPIs answered a lot of those questions once we had it more refined. If we didn't have it refined and we jumped right to it and like, okay, this quarter we're figuring it out, it probably could have been more anxiety ridden or more, uh, you know, just just more more fear of unknowns type of thing. But I think the way we naturally segued into it, it wasn't a plan, but it just was one of those organic things. You just go like, huh, why am I still doing that? This this thing over here is 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 making a lot more sense. Yeah, it definitely does sound like it was pretty well thought out. And the fact that you had it as part of an OKR and, you know, it really did take almost a year to roll out probably helped ease some of that transition. However, the one question I had for you is as the founder, obviously if you're promoting, if you're sharing an idea and kind of saying, hey, let's do away with this, there might be a little bit of confirmation bias from like leader, from leaders on your team about that. Are there things that you do to make sure that like your leadership team does feel okay speaking out 
if you know let's for example this one of them didn't agree with it um i mean i think it's a it's a tough thing to do, right? You never know when someone is or or isn't or doesn't feel empowered to speak out. Um, and it's it's actually, honestly, it's probably a constant challenge because I am someone that likes to, you know, get get feedback. And, and I think it just comes through naturally over the course of like building trust, right? So the, everyone on that senior team has been with me for a very long time. So none of them were new to me prompting or asking in a, and it might be the way I can ask it, and I can be um, specific about those and saying, "Hey, this is this is perfectly open for for conversation and whatnot." And I think a lot of them have worked with me long enough that they've seen that, and it's been reinforced that they can bring up things. There aren't other repercussions. They are just fluid, collaborative conversations, and we can all agree to disagree at certain times. But I think it. I don't can't really think of many cases where, like, even it came to where there was a disagreement and someone needed and I had to pull the final card of being like, well, it's my company or anything like that. I don't think I've ever done that. <laughs> but I think that is everyone knows that that could possibly happen, but it is one of those things where I think over time there's been a, a culture built around that. And like I said, it's been challenging when you bring in new people because people don't believe it. Like when you say, and people don't believe you can be, you know, outspoken and forward, there's, there's forums for it. It's not just like, blabbering all in Slack about every little problem. But at the same time, you know, we have built-in retros for every team. Um, I try to do some skip levels every once in a while, but I also get that from the position of the founder and the CEO, like there's always something that, that you know, from a power dynamic standpoint, people may not be, may not be telling me or whatnot, but I'm just trying to be as situationally aware as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it sounds like you're really self-aware in that within that approach. But what are some of the ways when you had a new person in your leadership team join? And I know that for right now, most of your team has been there for a really long time, which is actually probably a testament to you being a great leader um, and a great founder. But when you had someone new join, what were some of the things that you did to kind of establish that trust and make it so that they were comfortable speaking up and giving sharing new ideas or offering feedback on things that could change? Um, again, I think it's just in those earlier parts of those building those relationships, I'm trying to be even more hyper aware of those types of things. So looking for opportunities for me to say I'm wrong, like quickly about things and address, oh, that's a really good point. And I love that. And really kind of, and not just, not just the, uh, the fanfare of saying, oh, Hey, that was a good idea, but just le even leaning in forward, um, and just saying like, oh, I could see why you thought that. I, this is really thoughtful. Like I didn't even think about that type of thing. So just already trying to show, you know, some willingness to accept feedback or willingness to see, you know, multiple angles. Um, so I, I do try to do that in addition to immediately trying to have them work with other teammates uh, and other, other leaders on collaborative types of projects. And I think that's in where, where you get more, you know, more potential signal, right? Like, and once people see how other teammates interact with each other, or, hey, you know, they can talk about me behind my back, I don't care. <laughs> uh, most people come out of, you know, working with other people and, and, and the teams, I think they start to see it like in the water, so to speak, from a culture standpoint. So I think that helps give them, you know, other points of reference other than just just me and what they're seeing. That's a great point. And going back to KPIs and kind of going doing that switch from OKRs to KPIs, you I know we've mentioned it 
literally was over a year that you kind of came up with all these KPIs and stuff like that. What was kind of your process with your leadership team to carve out what are the KPIs that are the most important um, and ensure that you are focusing on things that are going to move the business forward as opposed to quote unquote vanity metrics? Uh, so it started with me. So I, I charged myself with putting them together. I did set a limit of 10 just because I knew sometimes you get to paper and you list out 20 and then you realize you know, that they're, they're not, all 20 don't matter, right? Or, or five could be good, um, but it depends on the team. And I think because we had so many teams and we know how the ball kind of moves through or how someone moves through like a customer and buyer journey, we knew what a lot of the inflection points were, but it took a long time to figure that out. And that's what it gave, I gave myself a quarter to figure that out. In addition to working exclusively with individual uh, leaders in those teams to gut check with them. Um, again, people that I've worked with a long time that feel like they could say, no, I don't like this one. Or I don't agree with this one. Or, hey, what about this instead? Or what do you think of this? Or how does that one play into this? Or how does how does this number affect that number? Is this a better number? So there was a lot of collaboration, a lot of discussion. And then once we did, we also, uh, you know, we also agreed that when whenever we set these, they're never going to be perfect out of the gate. Um, so once we did set them up, you know, we again went to Confluence. So we have a Confluence page similar to the OKR structure that has all of them and their definitions and how to calculate them, which acts as like a key, right? So uh, fast forwarding, we've actually added some additional ones and we've taken some other ones off since then. But it allows us to have those on a monthly basis. We know that people aren't going to remember them all the time, especially if it may not, may not affect your immediate job or your immediate role in the company. Um, but what we also added was a, we built it into our uh, monthly all hands ritual, which is just, we have our all hands meeting. Um, and I don't remember if we talked about this before in the past about our, our all hands, but it's, it's, that one has evolved over time too, but it's one of those things where we ask a funny question. We kind of do a lot of other interesting things as a, as a team, just to get to know you type of thing. Some weird questions as far as like, you know, I think one that I enjoyed was like standing desk factor fiction. <laughs> and everyone seems to have like a very strong opinion on that, or like, which way does a toilet paper roll or things like, what are people's love languages? Those are, you know, fun ones that always cause a lot of discussion and sharing of interesting stories. Then the next phase is we go through you know, holidays and other things. But but at the end of it, to get wrapped back to the KPIs, we've opened up this, hey, here's a Q&A for the KPIs. And I have a couple questions in there, which are standard. They're just like, hey, anything you found interesting, anything you need more explanation for and that type of thing. But what was helpful is we always publish the KPIs, I think up to, ideally up to 24 hours before the meeting. So people have time to consume it on their own time dig in as much as they want to or not, you know, come, they know what questions are coming, right? And it becomes a transparent open forum for those, right? And, and within, within the numbers that have changed on a month-to-month -month basis, there's also a commentary section where whichever leader is directly responsible for that number, they're adding other like, you know, qualitative uh, types of information like, oh, hey, such and such big customer left. So that's why this number went down in a big way, but that's okay. It, you know, if that, here's what the number would look like with that or without that. So it adds color to it. So people aren't going to be like in a panic with just seeing a single number or not. So I think that ritual has helped because we get questions about it and also helps 
drive clarity around like what are the things people are zoning into? What are the things people are interested in or constantly confused about? And it's like, should we change that number? Is that I, I use a different KPI or, um, you know, or as we release new product things, people are asking more product engagement questions. So I added a couple uh, product engagement KPIs like last last quarter so or last last month. So. It sounds like you're really transparent about KPIs and where the company stands um, with the entire team. Are there any KPIs that maybe you keep closer and maybe only share, don't care at all, or only share with the leadership team, thinking things like revenue or like turn numbers? Are there anything like, do you believe in being completely transparent or are there certain things that you will only share with certain people? Um, all those KPIs are all pub, not public, but public to the company. So there aren't any KPI numbers that we are, um, I would say that, that aren't for everyone to read. Um, there are some additional, there might be some senior notes that are not necessarily shared across the team that just add, you know, additional, um, like additional narratives to some things that were going on. If it had to do with personnel bases or other things. So there's other like leadership reports that do that. Um, but mostly it's just kind of like how so-and-so trending, how, how is this person adapting to do change and things like that. So it's more of like, it isn't for everyone's business to know, but sometimes they make sense where certain numbers are the way they are because we're a small team and you see a sales number drop and you might see it, you know, we have, we've had up to two or three salespeople at the same time and those will show up, but it's not to out them or anything like that, but there might be additional things that aren't for all eyes, but might be more for just you know, between me and that manager or something like that. Um, but those also get get followed up on later on, but not not necessarily in the ones for everyone to share. And I'm going to ask a question, which you don't have to answer if you're not comfortable with it. But have you ever had an issue with someone who's, let's say, like, you know, a marketing, a tuner marketing employee or a sales rep or a support rep who, you know, sees revenue numbers or sees sales going up and then suddenly uses that to try to, like, justify, you know, asking for a raise or a bonus? And A, has that ever happened? And B, if so, how did you approach it? It has happened. And um, I think I think it's, it's challenging. And what I end up doing oftentimes is, you know, addressing it head on in terms of like specifics. So the other thing that oftentimes I think people, people do is, I think, and, and, and this may be wrong, but I feel like this is the approach it comes from is a person wants a raise, right? And then they kind of, then they look for the numbers to back it up and to prove it. Um, there might be some things that they might be saying, hey, you know, we made, you know, we had a good quarter, but it also helps with, hey, we're not having a good quarter and you can see that's okay too. And we're all struggling where everyone's working towards that. And there's plenty of times and even some cases where people have asked when, the company isn't doing as well, right? So like, you know, if we've had, you know, this past year was a little more challenging for us. And, and part of the transparency is for me to share those holistically. So when, especially with employees that are seeing stuff going on LinkedIn and with layoffs, I'm like, we're doing fine. We're not doing as well as we have, but we're doing fine. But at the same time, we're not like, you know, I'm not driving a brand new car. I'm not like, we're, we're not like, you know, uh, like, really killing it out there either. So um, I think that helps drive that transparency that helps those conversations. So um, a challenge for me in the past has been, even if things aren't going well, and I have people asking, my initial gut reaction is oftentimes like, come on, read the room. <laughs> it's like, you know, to be honest and just being like, 
every it's not it's not the easiest time for the company and you're asking but I take a step back and I don't take offense to it. it takes a while might take a day or two but when I go back and address it to them I talk about it from a realistic standpoint and oftentimes they might bring numbers to me like hey um I'm you know let's say a salesperson for example you know comes in and says I'm responsible for half the company's revenue and I address that and I say well Yes, on that piece, but you're one of two people, so that kind of is your job, and you have to kind of get back to some of those realistic standpoints. And but at the same time, I have to look at it. And oftentimes, we've said, you know, we've had to make a decision and and say, well, you have to remember why you're here, what what the company is about. You can always make money more money somewhere else. Someone will always be able to pay you more. Like our priorities are a safe place. Like it's. It's a good team environment, like quality of life on a day-to-day basis. All of these things that we started with remote, we started with like people don't work weekends. We've never had a layoff. Like if anything, I'm more conservative. So I can continue to say that, like I've provided a safe space for them. So I kind of remind that that's the values here. And if they want to move on, I say that's perfectly fine. And I'm sure you can get more somewhere else. But remember, this is what we have here. I would probably be surprised if you can get that in other places as easily. But, you know, kind of know what you have here and, you know, a person may decide to move on and that's okay. And I actually even try to confront them with that and said, it would be nice if you would let us know. We're not, if you, if you said you were looking, we're not going to kick out the door. Honestly, it would just help us understand and help the team more by looking to start to hire earlier so that your position could be backfilled and we could do it in a nice manner. Now, the reality is no one has ever told me <laughs> they were looking. And I think that's that's going to be one of those things, no matter how much trust there is, um, it's probably just not worth the risk for someone to do, which I get as well. But I try to open that door and try to hope that they would and everyone can end on a happy note. But you know, it, it, it happens. And I think going back into history and explaining who we are, what we do and what we stand for, because those have remained consistent and and um, if that's if they don't want to be on the team no any longer and want to reach other opportunities, you know that's fine too. Yeah, that seems like a very sensible approach and like a very valid approach to how to handle something like that. Because I know that's a lot big concern talking to other leaders about hey, how transparent should you be about things like revenue or something like that? Where you know if you don't have enough content, if the employee doesn't have enough context, it can create issues or you know lead to drama and tension and just some toxic environments within the company. Um, and it sounds like you really kind of confronted that head on. Going back to kind of the difference between OKRs and KPIs, obviously a lot of teams get drawn into OKRs first by like seeing Google do it, but also because it like creates more shared alignment between teams and you have less silos. Um, and KPIs oftentimes one of the downsides and a bit, at least in my experience, can be like it can sometimes lead to silos within teams. Are there things that you're doing proactively this year to address it and make sure that, you know, every party in the company is, you know, aligned and on the same page and silos don't form? I mean, I'll be honest is I don't really see too much of a, and I guess you would, how you would describe silos. Cause I don't feel like, I feel like there's a lot of information sharing across the board. Um, but I also feel like not everyone wants to go outside their silos. Like silos are comfortable. Silos are like, um, I don't think I don't think of them necessarily in a negative connotation, right? Or just so, so like people on a team, they understand the metrics they're working towards. There are certain people 
that do like to venture outside. And so we do have other cross-functional teams or cross-functional projects that, that help to, to stir the pot and get other people interacting with others. But oftentimes most of people's work, I think, are in their in their silos and they can focus on the KPIs that 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 are most concerning to them. Um, but that's that's been a bigger realization because I used to think like everyone is interested in all the things, but that's probably just me. <laughs> so like, or a couple, you know, senior or more growth-oriented people or more entrepreneurial type of people. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, and a lot of people are comfortable, hey, I just want to come in, I want to progress my career, I want to help the people I like to do, you know, my job with. And you know, and and make my certain numbers or, you know, work on my certain KPI. So personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with it as long as you're kind of adding relief valves for those other cross, you know, coordination or when someone raises their hand and make it, make it acceptable. Like I think part of having that meeting and going through the KPIs and making sure there's questions are answered, I think that opens up for people who are generally curious about other teams to ask questions, ooh, how'd that affect? Or, you know, and so that's their opportunity to start talking and start just with a basis of curiosity. So I think that could lead to potentially signals of, hey, you know, do you want to help on this other project? Like you seem actually generally interested. I know your skill set. Would you like to work over here? So it's more of a uh, I think like not everyone wants to be forced for collaboration in this. And a lot of people are sort of comfortable in their silos. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, that all makes sense. But I'm going to push back just a little bit. Sure, go for um, it. When it, comes to, when it comes to things like budget um, and asking mm-hmm. for more budget or more headcount, that's where oftentimes like silos can actually become problematic when let's say sales and marketing, like the one that you always hear of is sales and marketing sometimes not getting along, you know, trying to fight for budget and or headcount. Are there things, or even I can just be customer success and support and, you know, different departments having different budgets and having different headcount needs. Are there things that you're doing to make sure that, you know, people are on the same page? So let's say, say some of that toxic natures that can come out with that sort of thing um, mm-hmm. don't happen. So what I'm doing may prevent that. And it wasn't intentional, but like I handle all headcount and budget. So it they don't have, in, like the, even the team member, team leaders don't like control that. Um, so if anything, I am always working with them on, hey, what's your team's capacity? Is it alignment with certain goals? Can you do the things we're asking you to do? Do you need this? Do you need that? Do you need this type of person? So I'm often always like leaning into what resources are, or maybe it's not about a resource and it's more about focus and saying, actually, yeah, you, we don't have to do X anymore. That's not producing any value or let's look into those types of things. So it may be just you know, narrowing scope or increasing focus on the projects that matter more. But I think because of that, you know, it's it's pretty clear than the senior teams, like no one, and maybe this is also the type of people I attract or the type of people we want working here, is no one's looking at it from like a like a career building standpoint in terms of like, hey, I need to be a director. So it needs there needs to be two managers on me. That means the team needs to grow. Like there's no politics in terms of like X team versus Y team versus that type of thing. So again, it might've just been the culture that we created um, in addition to, you know, me holding all the keys to like <laughs> the raises and the hiring and stuff like that. But I'm very, we're very transparent across the senior team on those needs and, you know, are looking for, that's where I think the KPIs will help. Like, drive to like, okay, if we're trying from, you know, if, if we're trying to drive towards X number, like 
what is the, you know, what is the thing stopping us from that? If everyone, everyone agrees, this is the biggest bottleneck at this time for this company, like what is that role or what resources are needed to accomplish those types of things, right? So um, oftentimes I'm involved with those conversations with the leaders. So I'm very in touch with those. So, but I am the one like allocating those resources in the budget. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And kind of doing everything you can to kind of squash them in the politics probably helps out a lot. Before we wrap up, are there is there anything else that you only maybe want to add about KPIs and how what you guys are doing right now? On that topic, no, I don't think so. I think I've covered most of the major things. Um, like I said, um, I think people like I want people to be able to see all the stuff. So again, if someone's interested, they can kind of lean more into those things. But the what the one thing I did want to add, though, since we just talked about managers and budgets and those types of things. Um, it's hard to be a manager, right? Like a lot of people don't have those things right off, you know, don't necessarily have the experience right off the bat or the people that a lot of, you know, smaller bootstrap startups and different things like that. You got to be a little more scrappy. You got to hire player coaches. You've got to figure things out um, without a little, without as much, you know, formality, which is sort of the reason why you work at these places. Um, But I think with me doing the budget stuff also helps um, because, it's not something they have to be overly concerned about. So when I do have someone that is looking to, they have, let's say a, a person that is working for them that is vying for a raise or something like that, the, the manager can really be their advocate and work with them to help craft those types of things. And I'm the bad guy, <laughs> which is fine. And they can, they're coming to me and it's, they're, they're ultimately not like seen at odds with their teammates and, and have to worry about necessarily, you know, financial aspects and resources and those types of things. So it's it's a large weight of responsibility to have that and to look at the outlook for the whole company. But I think that also helps managers be able to grow without another thing to worry about, another, and they really can be there to support their team, to coach and mentor their teammates and things like that, versus worrying about like ulterior motives or thinking about like just knowing that they don't ultimately hold the dishes and on this and things don't have to go specifically through them and they can be an advocate, I think is really helpful on, on them establishing great relationships with their, their team. Yeah. That's a really interesting perspective and almost very counter to what you hear from like, you know, a lot of the quote unquote, like management consultants and being like, you know, being tied to the numbers and, you know, it almost sounds like it's almost a counter. There's probably downsides to it when it comes to, overall like visibility and thinking about like what's best for the company always but like from a like building a really good culture like making sure that manager is more of an advocate in the coach as opposed to you know that does sound like a great strategy it's been really great chatting with you again josh is there anything else that you want to add no i don't i don't think so um oh oh, oh actually i do think so when i have stepped back and look and thinking about kpis and okrs i think it's much more challenging to do with the service teams. And I think that's where it broke for us, where those were the ones that felt the most like theater, felt the most like didn't really change very much. So the sales and customer success teams, and we have four teams here, right? There's the product team, there's the marketing, content marketing team, customer success, and is that, I don't know if I listed all of them, <laughs> and sales, sorry, sales also. So the two service side ones, the sales and customer success, oftentimes those were the hardest ones to set because more of their jobs are frontline, talking to people, talking to customers, improving certain things. And really their stuff aligns very much KPI driven. Um, and 
you know, other project oriented goals, like a product team and some other things, like oftentimes, you know, things are, things are coming up that change priorities. But I think, you know, when you look back at like Google and I think IBM and the big tech companies that were doing this, you know, mainly they were for project oriented types of teams. So I think it can still work effectively with project oriented teams, how you're setting strategy and initiative. Um, But if you're trying to set, like we are like a, like a culture where everything is a little more homogeneous, how we manage things like, okay, these teams have OKRs and these teams have KPIs and these teams, like we're still trying to keep it at a level, like not getting down to individual KPI levels and not getting down to individual OKRs. Like that's, I want to have a tight operating system that applies to everyone. So everyone knows how to do everything across all the teams. And I think that's where the root of it comes. And if you're like me and you're, or you decide that you want to split out and try to get the best of both, like, I think that's, that's where you could potentially run into trouble. That makes a ton of sense. And thanks so much for elaborating on that in particular. As a reminder, where can people of, you know, fans of the Remote Work Code podcast find you online? Uh, I'm relatively active on, on Twitter these days. Um, and um, so at JLogic. And on there, if you're interested in other things, I have a newsletter that's uh, on a sub stack under Josh Ho, but it's mostly kind of founder tech stuff. But I think that crosses over a lot with your audience. Um, and I don't know, I, I might dip more into LinkedIn in 2023. We'll see. So, yeah. And you also have a quote to you, very awesome podcast. Oh yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, I should mention that too and be better at promoting those, but yes, there's, there's two podcasts. One is called searching for SAS. So that's more like founder SAS uh, tech startup E. And the other one is called uh, marketing retro where uh, myself and Adrian Barnes talk about random marketing topics each week, but those have been a lot of fun to launch and just kind of get on the mic and chat about stuff that I hope is interesting. So. Awesome. And thank you again for uh, coming on the Remote Work Tribe podcast and talking all about OKRs and KPIs. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Remote Work Drive podcast. Please visit our site, theremoteworkdrive.com, to learn more about remote work trends and insights.